Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, we welcome you into Warriors Weekly, episode number one for the 2021-22 season. Very excited about this podcast for this season. John Dickinson joined this year by... Matt Steinmetz, that's right, the old Warriors this week. Old, come on now. Together again, you and me both, brother, both old, both getting up there a little bit, uh, but great to be with you for this season. Uh, every week we're going to do a pod, couple of podcasts, just talk about everything that's going on with the Warriors, and, and my goodness, a lot going on with the Warriors. Here we are one week into the season, and they are 4-0. and oh. I mean, great start. And I don't think if you're a Warrior fan, you got much to complain about at all. I mean, everything's kind of fallen into place. I realize it's only four games, but I was thinking this, J.D., you know, these four games have kind of been a a little bit of a template for how they would have to play and be if they were to max out and win, you know, more games than people think, 50 games, let's say. But that's the one thing that – that's hit me the first four games is, you know, they're pretty deep. Um, They've got all kinds of guys contributing, but also it looks like they're kind of ahead of everybody chemistry wise and and just knowing how they want to play to win. That may, that may win them a lot of games early too. Yeah, it, it really could. And I think you just, you just run through the first four and whether it's, it's Bielitsa in the opener or Otto Porter last night as we record this on on Wednesday morning in the Oklahoma City game Damian Lee's been terrific really in in all four games this season uh, coming off the bench and you just I'll admit I kind of wondered how it was going to look did they have enough talent was it real depth Uh, yeah but to this point I I mean it's depth but it's also connectivity between how they want to play and how these players fit in the system which I think if you're Steve Kerr, you got to be thrilled that you've been able to get this group to come together the way they have, really in not even a month of practices at this stage. You said to this point, and that's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, like if you take those games individually, the Lakers just—they're just not. It's going to take them a while if it happens at all, um, in terms of like them getting a championship level. Um, so that game, I could I could almost see the Warriors winning because they're just ahead of the Lakers in terms of chemistry and all that. That's like I'm saying how to play. Uh, Clippers, you know, they're up 20. They end up losing that lead. I'm not convinced the Clippers are going to be real good this year. I want to see how I want to see the Clippers play more. Um, Sacramento is Sacramento. Oklahoma City. My point is. And we may not get it for the next eight games, but my point is, is 
we may have just seen, you know how you always talk in football about when do you catch a team? Sure. You know, we're just talking about the Colts. Uh, you know, the Colts got beat by what the Rams and the Cardinals, or no, Rams and the Seahawks early in the season. But the, you know, the 49ers got the got a better version of the Colts. So um, I got to see some teams. I got to see the Warriors, you know, against three or four good teams on this homestand. Like, the, you know, Memphis, to me, there's four good games. Memphis, Charlotte, Atlanta, and Chicago. Yeah. So, they'll be see. tested. But to that point, if you look at the first 12 games, you could make a case that, well, the toughest two games or two of two of maybe four would have been the first two, and the Warriors came out. I'm kind of with you on the Clippers. I mean, no Kawhi Leonard. That's a completely different team. They're, they're trying to figure – like, I don't view them without Kawhi Leonard as a lock to be a top-four seed in the Western Conference. To me, right. they're almost in that boat – with where the Warriors would have been coming into it. Like, hey, yeah, they're maybe around the sixth seed trying to avoid the playing tournament. If everything goes right, maybe they can make a jump up. But I think those first two games are really an indicator of the level by which the Warriors can take this thing to, because if it really is going to take the Lakers a couple of months to figure things out and the Clippers are going to play without Kawhi, maybe for the entire season, at least until the all-star break or, or March before he's back in the fold. Well, those are two teams that you would have penciled in as ahead of the Warriors in the Western conference. And here are the Warriors with wins in hand and, and just playing more effectively together than those two teams. So we're almost, instantaneously Steiny, in this mode of well why can't the Warriors be in the top four in the Western Conference because there's already a couple of teams that that we would have thought would have been there that that maybe aren't as good and aren't going to be as good at least for a while yeah but I think sometimes you know I'm not saying the Warriors can't be that team but sometimes I think we overlook teams where for example, that's why I'm looking forward to this game against Memphis tomorrow night. Memphis is kind of like the Warriors in that when they threw their team out this year, it's pretty much the team they played with last year and did pretty well. Like Memphis knows how to play together. You know, they know they know what their identity is, and John Morant's pretty good. So you know, I know the Warriors are off to a good start. It all looks good, but, you know, do we know they're definitely better than the Memphis Grizzlies right now? No, we don't. We don't. And so, and I'm not saying tomorrow's game will decide it one way or another, but you get a picture. You know, you get a, you'll get a picture of it. If Memphis comes in here and wins, all of a sudden you're like, huh, you know, Memphis is pretty buttoned up. They just came in here and beat the Warriors. You know, if the Warriors handle Memphis – you know, Memphis is a team you gotta I'm not saying you can't blow them out, but Memphis is a team you gotta you gotta kinda dot your I's and cross your T's because they play hard and they, they know what they're doing. So you know, Memphis is a team I gotta look at and and the Warriors gotta leapfrog them. Um, you know, where like th- that I do see where you're coming from now because like where are we with Phoenix? Yeah, I, I mean they're they're struggling to to start the year and and trying to figure things out and and it would be natural for them getting all the way to the NBA Finals and having the two nothing lead and then winding up losing four straight. It would be natural for them as a team now that didn't win it 
to maybe not put as much of a value on the regular season as they did a year ago. And that to me leaves a pathway for the Warriors to get up in, into that mix, or maybe even in a way, different personnel, different way the team is built, but maybe in a way the Warriors could be kind of like Phoenix last year where they were a team that could they be, because a lot of people were talking about Phoenix as, oh, well, they're definitely a playoff team or, or a play-in team, but how good are they really? And then you looked up, you know, the early part of the season was like, well, wait a minute, they're, they're the best team and the second best team in the Western Conference, and it was, and it was pretty obvious and steady for the entire season. So I, I think Phoenix and Utah both, and, and Utah's looked pretty good the, the first week, but Utah, the team that was the one seed and, and got knocked out, Phoenix, a team that was right there, went to the finals. Like, I think it's going to be hard for those two teams to maintain the level that they played at a year ago, which opens that door again for the Warriors. When you start, it's a lot of it's about trajectory for me. The Warriors trajectory is up right now. I'm not saying Utah and Phoenix are down, maybe a tick, but, but if the Clippers and Lakers are down, some of these other teams, we don't know about Denver all of a sudden it becomes a lot more plausible that maybe the Warriors can get into that top half a little bit more easily than we would have thought. Yeah, I, th- I, I think it's possible. And, you know, the only thing I, I don't like doing is, is you know, obviously uh, rethinking everything after just four games. By the same token, I do think sometimes there's signs where you can just kind of see, you know, um, oh, Lakers, they're not, you know, maybe it's you – know, Ain't going to come easy to the Lakers. And now you look at Phoenix and you're like, huh, in addition to all you said, I'm thinking that's a little funky with Aiton. I wonder, you know, I wonder yeah. if there's, I wonder what's going on all together there. Well, and, you and know, they're also capped. Aren't they capped by? Yeah, they Chris just paid uh, Bridges too. Yeah, like they're, um, like, it, it, you know, the Chris Paul factor too. Like they're only going to be, like, if you take Chris Paul away, how good, like they got a, a nice young core of players but if you take chris paul away and he ain't going to be around forever right when their window closes immediately and and you kind of don't know you don't know when that's going to come like chris paul we talk about this with steph curry i mean chris paul's older than steph curry by a by a significant margin like at what point does he decline or do injuries come back into the equation to where you know if he isn't himself they can't win it and, and you right. just cross them right off the list, no matter how many good young players they have. And, and that opens the door. Yeah. I mean, um, there, there's not a team. I still think Denver's pretty damn good. Um, and if they, you know, Murray's going to get back at some point, you would think. So Murray is their Clay Thompson, if you will. So, that you know, that'll be obviously Dallas – you know, I'm looking at Dallas, and I, I know people think they might be missing something, and I'm not saying they're not, but I'm still looking at, you know, Doncic, Porzingis, and I know they haven't been great together, but Tim Hardaway Jr., that's – they still got a nice three-man core, you know. I mean, Doncic is really good. So, you know, that's a team that could be – that's a team that might be better than the Warriors, Dallas – not sure the Spurs are. I don't really know what to make of them, but um, yeah, I think until further notice, I think the Warriors right now, the goal would be to get in that top half. 
especially knowing they have eight straight home games here. And in theory, you know, I, man, they go six and two and they're 10 and two. You know yep. what I mean? Yep. They go six and two, they're 10 and two. And that's even, as you say, if there's four tough games of the eight, if you split those four and you win the other ones without some kind of a letdown, that gets you to the six and two, and that gets you to the ten and two. And, and look, if this team's ten and two, the national conversation about them, I, I think, is going to shift. I mean, locally, we tend to be, I think, overall, a little more optimistic about what the Warriors can be. Nationally, I feel like the the, the narrative is, yeah, well, we'll see. Right. We'll, we'll see come March, come April, you know, where this team stacks up, but. They're going to force themselves into the conversation, and I think rightfully so if they're able to start off with that kind of a record. Now, there is the other possibility that, you know, over the course of these eight games, you realize, huh, well, Memphis beat them, the Hawks beat them, uh, Charlotte beat them, then they let that one slip away, and now they're, you know, four and four looks like a disaster. So, and again, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but – you know, they, they play – I think they play – for example, like when they play the Hawks now, the Hawks have the same team that they went to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. So they don't really need to make an adjustment, the Hawks, when they come in here and play. Like that's – to me, that's a big deal early early in the season. Um, you know, even the Bulls, I know they're off to a great start, but they got all new personnel. So I wouldn't be surprised if they got a few hiccups uh, along the line. But – where, where are we? Uh, you know, one of the things that's interesting about this team is the depth we were talking about and, you know, how you could probably pick a half a dozen players off the bench who have already helped them win games. So if you look at the first four games, all their bench players essentially, maybe they haven't been positive for the consistent four games, but I think they've all been a net positive, whether it's Bielitsa, whether it's Porter, whether it's Iguodala, uh, whether it's Damian Lee, uh, Toscano Anderson, I'm going to throw in there, although he's been a little more just, you know, solid. But, you know, I, and I keep coming back to Wiseman and, and Clay even a little bit, and it's not like that's a problem. But, you know, if Wiseman gets 15 minutes and Clay's getting 20 when he comes back, they're coming from somewhere. And as good as those two players are, at this point, somebody who's been playing pretty well, their minutes are coming away just to get Wiseman back. And we'll deal with Clay down the line. But, you know, that's the part that, that I think is we might be underestimating. I, I think for Clay, it, it's probably going to wind up being some of Jordan Poole's minutes. And, and he's been up and down. Yeah. You know, he helped them in the Laker game. He really struggled with, with the Clippers and, and the physicality. He was pretty good against Sacramento. He's pretty bad against Oklahoma City. I mean, yeah. you, could make the, you could make the case, the, the OKC game, that he was a factor in why the Thunder were able to get off to the lead and, and maintain the lead for as long as they, they were able to up until late in the third quarter when you knew the Warriors were going to make their run and probably take control as they did and then and then figure out a way to make enough plays, make enough shots down the stretch to, to win that game. But but it's been an up and down, I think, beginning for, for Jordan Poole. So I think when you plug Clay back in, you shift pool more to that that true sixth man role 
his minutes probably go down a, a little bit. And then, you know, maybe Damian Lee's minutes go down a, a little bit. But you also have to factor in, you know, maybe Iguodala is going to need to rest a little bit more at that True. point. And, and, and so that's where having so many different players that can contribute. You always want to have a few guys, if you're Steve Kerr, that everybody's asking about, hey, why is this guy not playing more? Why is that right. guy not playing more? Like, that's a, that's a really good problem to have when you're winning. Like it's a terrible problem when you're losing because a lot of times people think, well, wait a minute, this this guy, player X, player Y, can help. Reality is they can't help, and the head coach knows they probably can't help, and the team's not winning anyway. This is the reverse of that. Uh, Dave- we also got they also have players for whatever reason, <clears throat> like even though they're deep, it's not like hey, uh, Damian Lee, you're coming in at the six minute mark. You're playing nine minutes. You're coming out. That's your 18. Hey, Iguodala, you're doing this. I mean, he kind of is. But what I'm saying is, like, Peyton, Bielitsa, Toscano Anderson, Otto Porter Jr., Damian Lee, they don't really know what their role is going to be night to night. They're pretty sure they're going to get in, but not, it, not a lot of minutes. So what I'm getting at is you also have kind of low-maintenance role yeah. players. Like, they're not guys who, for example, last night, Bielitsa played seven and a half minutes. You know, I don't think he's bitching and moaning right now. Yeah, because they don't. he'll, you know, he's going to get his six minutes Thursday, and if he plays better, he'll probably play more. Sure, and I, th- there aren't there aren't players off the bench that are entitled to a specific role right. for specific minutes, and I think they all understand that. It's It's kind of a – it's kind of a plug-and-play bench, right? right? You go into a game with a framework of, all right, I think this guy's going to play in this situation, but it's easily flexible. You know, it, it's easily you – know, auto. Bielitsa wasn't a factor last night. Otto Porter was right. a factor in, in some similar ways to, to the way Bielitsa was against the Lakers. Otto Porter was against the Thunder, and I think that's where – it's kind of on Steve Kerr and the coaching staff to know the personnel, know the opponent, know who's having a hot night, you know, know who needs a rest on a given night and, and just mix and match and get everybody in the right spots within that framework. And I think they've, they've done that pretty effectively when you look at, I mean, Iguodala has been tremendous in right. those first two games. He was pretty good last night. He's got to take the night off in Sacramento and it opens the door for, all right, who's going to play? Well, Gary Payton the second winds up playing. He hadn't played right. Rick to that point, and he goes in, and he's really good. He has 10 points. He's playing solid defense, like a couple of big threes. Like, they they picked Gary Payton to be the guy to step in, and he was a he was a major factor in helping them win. Like, they're – it, it, it reminds me of the baseball team that, that is playing the right guys or going to the right like the Giants at the right, a little bit, a little bit of just you're, you're playing the right guys on the right night. And how many times did we see that with the Warriors where, you know, last night made me think of all the years they were they were great. And, and I'm not, I'm not right. comparing the, the, the talent level or anything like that. But one thing we used to always talk about, Steiny, is the Warriors knew the Knights – where they could, you know, not play well, kind of go through the motions, still make a run and be good enough to win. Well, they played their worst game of the four last night 
in Oklahoma City. I think pretty clear cut. They played their worst game of the four last night in, in Oklahoma City as we record this podcast on Wednesday. But you can still win when that's your worst. Like, you play that game against the Lakers. You play that game against the Clippers. Hell, you even play that game in Sacramento. You're probably walking out of that building with a loss. Yeah, so let's see if they play it again. And against whom? Like, if they play tomorrow against Memphis, they'll get beat. Um, uh, there is – I mean, Oklahoma City's pretty – Yeah, they're pretty rough. That might be the um, first team in the league. I think they might be. They might be. Um, but, hey, nevertheless, you know, they went – they're 4-0. They went in there. And, um, I mean – Again, the other thing oh, the other thing we were talking about is how uh, you can tell Steve Kerr's like he's enjoying coaching these guys. Like he thinks they can be pretty good yeah. or have a chance to be. And like I, I I think I think he probably sees all the expectations and he knows that a lot of people are saying, Yeah, it could be a six or seven. And I think he's thinking we could be we could be better than that. Two or three. I think yeah. I think he's seen it already. Like, it, even if you want to give, it, it to me the Warriors have the potential. Any team that's not the best version of themselves, even the Lakers, any team that's not the best version of themselves this season, I think the Warriors feel like they can they can pass and, or beat out in terms of of regular season seating. And if Utah's not what Utah was last year, they don't care as much. The Warriors can be right there with them. If Phoenix is you know, dips even a little bit, the Warriors can be right there with them. The Lakers, the same thing. I think there is. I think you're onto something there. A little bit of a a quiet confidence with, with Steve Kerr, and we've seen it the opposite way the last two years. Like I know you've shared this story. I mean, Steve Kerr knew that that team stunk two years right. ago, early before they were injured, and last year, right. you know, how many times did it look like the personnel just didn't fit? the style of basketball that he wants to coach this team with the ball movement, with the, I think interchangeable pieces offensively and defensively, the connectivity, less headache, what, whatever it is, you can tell Steve Kerr, he feels like, all right, this is now, this is a team that's going to be a lot of fun to coach. Right. Right. What would you put, uh, how many games does Steph have to play for them to win 50 games? Probably in the in the in the low to mid seventies. Pro- probably pushing 75, 74, 75. I, I think I think he could miss seven. Uh, you know, I, I give a little bit more leeway because at some point Clay Thompson's going to come back, and I think I think just having an extra scorer helps you. It, you know, not be one and ten in eleven games without Steph Curry. Like I'd, I'd still be worried a little bit about that aspect of things right now because what if curry misses 10 games do they go one and uh, nine like like if, if let, right. like, let's say let's say they are 10 and two let's say they're 10 and two and then and then and look no nobody wants to think like this right let's say they are 10 and two and steph misses the next 10 well they might be 11 and 11 right <laughs> at that point you know at, at, at that point uh so you know or and, and set themselves up to where now you got to when, when Steph comes back, you're almost starting over. So, I right. think, you know, this team is better equipped to handle that, I think, than last year, but I still don't think they're equipped to really make hay if no. Birdie's not going to be on the floor. And, and he looks every bit as capable of being the type of player when healthy that he was a year ago. 
starting to think, uh, you know, starting to get closer to when Clay comes back. And the closer we get and, like, the more we see him, I worry that, that expectations might be a little too high for, let's say, his first two to four months back. Seriously. Well. Like, I don't think he's you, – you know, he's not – unless I'm wrong, he's not going to be playing 35 minutes a night. So, you know, there's a chance that he's just might take him a little while to look like Clay. I think you're right. But could you imagine if they're 22 and 10 when he comes back? I mean, the the belief at that point is they can win a championship. I mean, this team, and look, they're going to maybe two weeks from now, at the end of this homestand, we're having a little different conversation about where this team is at, if it's, or if they sustain some kind of injury. But this team has the potential now to get off to a really good start record-wise, and that's going to lead right up into when Clay Thompson returns. And, I mean, the belief is if this team's, let's say, top two or three in the West without Clay Thompson, right? You know, that would give them the, the, the leeway that I think they're going to need to find out where Clay is and to ease him back in. Because I think you're right. He is, and he said it, and Steve Kerr said it. It's going to be a 20, 25 minute and a night thing initially. And hell, I, I could see it not even necessarily being where, where he starts coming back necessarily really yeah i could i I think now that probably would be off the table because jordan Poole isn't exactly playing well but i think if jordan Poole was playing well i I could see them not hesitating to 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 do that but you know again who starts doesn't really matter the cohesiveness you know they probably start him i guess that's the other thing too is um obviously when clay's back he's going to make them better but it might take a minute before he makes them better like how yeah. You know, and I know, like, for example, I know, you know, Wiggins, like, I get it. Wiggins isn't aggressive. So if Clay comes back and starts shooting, Wiggins isn't going to really, like, care. But, you know, how, how does Wiggins all of a sudden, it's like, damn, Wiggins is only averaging 11 a game, you know? But that's probably okay. I don't know. Not if Clay's not Clay. Well, it, it's well, it's okay. Yeah, it's okay until Clay's not Clay, but you have to give some time to figure out if Clay is going to be Clay. And and so if Wiggins takes a back seat in that interim, they may lose some games, but it would still be necessary, I think, to to figure out where Clay is. Like Wiggins is just going to live in this in this world where as long as he can kind of just be there and do his thing and get his 12 to 15 points and, and, and they're winning, nobody's going to say, but you saw it last night. Again, we're recording this Warriors weekly podcast, JD and Steiny. We're wrapping things up here. Uh, our first episode, look at the Oklahoma city game, Steiny first half. If you're on Twitter and again, Twitter's not real life, but if you're on Twitter, right. everybody's like, everybody's crushing Wiggins, right? They're getting, they're getting, handled in the first half by the Thunder, who probably are the worst team in the league, and Wiggins is not attacking, and where is he? And he's, you know, he's missing shots. Like, he's the first guy that everybody goes to the moment that the Warriors had kind of an ugly half, and that was the case last night. Yeah. No, you're right about that. Um, And what's the deal, before we uh, wrap it up, what's the deal, uh, when do you think Wiseman will be ready? 
to to at least play. And I mean, it, it feels like he's a couple of weeks away, probably. Still, yeah, but they're able to be patient because right. Let's put the rat on the table, and, and this is something we can maybe revisit next week. They're fine without him right right now, and they're fine without Jonathan Kaminga right now, and they're right. fine without Moses Moody except for a couple of four- or five-minute shifts in those first two games against the L.A. team. So, uh, I mean, that might be the biggest takeaway, and, and this was where I, I, I kind of – figured this team might be a little bit better than expected. It was just that they seemed, even in the preseason, so comfortable with their veteran players to where right. – And they're not even going to play the young guys all, all that much, and they're not going to have to. Right. So I, I think, you know, when you look at all of the depth and all of the veterans, I, I'm going to be the guy that's a little bit more patient, I think, this year with those young guys and not demand that they play or get shoehorned into roles that may help this team be less effective. Oh, the better the Warriors play or the more the Warriors win, the less the rookies are going to play, the, the young guys are going to play. There's just no doubt about it. So, to me, if they're not playing, that probably means you're a 50-win team. Yeah. Honestly. It's a nice problem to have. All right, he's Matt Steinmetz. I'm John Dickinson. First one in the books, episode number one, our Warriors weekly podcast. We'll, we'll catch you next week for 95.7 The Game. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.